السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد و نصلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم رب اشرح لي صدری ويسر لي امری واحلل عقدتا من لسانی یفقهوا قولی ربنا زدنا علما کتاب الصلاه باب الصلاه في مواضع الخسف والعذاب الصلاه performing the prayer where في مواضع الخسف In the places of khasf. Mawadi' plural of mawda' place. Okay. And khasf where the earth has caved in. So performing the salah where the earth has caved in. Wal'adhabi and punishment. Meaning where the punishment of Allah has descended. So the question is, is it allowed to pray in a place where the earth was caved in? where the punishment of Allah descended, where a certain people were punished, where they were destroyed. Because the punishment of Allah, that is not mercy. So is it allowed to pray in such a place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed His anger, showed His ghadab, to such an extent that the people over there, they were destroyed? So can a person pray there? And over here, مَوَالْدِعُ الْخَسْفِ There are the places where the earth has caved in. So a place where a natural disaster has occurred. It could be an earthquake, it could be a flood, it could be anything but a natural disaster. And this is general. And adab is specific. What's the difference over here? That khasf is khas. Okay, khasf is khas, meaning a specific kind of punishment. And adab is general, could be anything. Also there is another difference. Khasf can be understood as any natural disaster. And adab is specifically the punishment of Allah. Now any natural disaster, do we have the right to say that oh this is the punishment of Allah? Like for example, if there is an earthquake somewhere, let's say lightning fell and a building burnt, you know, fell, the people over there, they died. So can you say that this is a punishment of Allah? Do you have the right to say that? No, we do not have the right to say that. So, khasf is what? Any kind of natural disaster. And adab is specifically a place about which we know that yes, these people were punished. So for example, the ruins of the people of Thamud, the people of Ad. It's known, it's mentioned in the Quran, in the Sunnah, that these are the people who were destroyed because of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. So whether it is a place that has been devastated by a natural disaster or a place where the punishment of Allah descended, can you perform salah over there or not? We see that it is not liked. It is something that is not liked. Why? Because think about it. That is the place where people were far removed from Allah's mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed His anger. And there you are praying for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and blessings. So it seems almost like mockery. وَيُذْكَرُوا And it has been mentioned أَنَّ عَلِيٍّ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ That Ali رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ كَرِهَ الصَّلَاةَ He disliked performing the prayer where? بِخَصْفِ بَابِلْ At the khasf of Babel. Meaning where the earth had caved in. In Babel meaning Babylon. Khasf of Babel, the khasf of Babylon is where Namrud. He had huge and tall buildings constructed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the earth to swallow them all up. And this is what many mufassirin interpret an ayah of the Qur'an with. Which ayah? In Surah Al-Nahl, ayah 26, that قَدْ مَكَرَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَأَتَ اللَّهُ بُنْيَانَهُمْ مِنَ الْقَوَاعِدِ فَخَرَّ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّقْفُ مِنْ فَوْقِهِمْ وَأَتَاهُمُ الْعَذَابُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ That those before them had already plotted, referring to Namrud. 
But Allah came at their building from the foundations, meaning He brought them down. So the roof fell upon them from above them and the punishment came to them from where they did not perceive. Many Mufassiri interpreted this ayah as referring to Namrud, the buildings that he had constructed and the khasf that occurred over there, the result of which was that all of those buildings, they collapsed. So Ali radiallahu anhu, when he went to Babel, he disliked to pray over there. So if a companion did not pray there, then what does it mean? That we should also not pray in such places. حدثنا إسماعيل بن عبد الله قال حدثني مالك عن عبد الله بن دينار عن عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تدخلوا The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Do not enter على هؤلاء upon these people which people المعذبين those who have been punished إلا أن تكونوا باكين except that you are crying Do not enter the ruins of those people the houses they left behind the houses that were struck by the punishment of Allah, do not enter them except that you are crying. فَإِلَّمْ تَكُونُوا بَاكِينَ And if you are not crying, فَلَا تَدْخُلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ Then do not enter upon them. Why? لَا يُصِيبُكُمْ It should not befall you مَا أَصَابَهُمْ That which has befallen them. When did the Prophet ﷺ say this? When the Sahaba were going for jihad with the Prophet ﷺ to Tabuk. And on the way there, they passed the area of Al-Hijr. And Al-Hijr is where the ruins of the people of Thamud were. So the Prophet ﷺ, he instructed the companions to just enter and pass through. To enter and exit. Meaning only pass through for a reason. Because you have no other choice. Or even if you have to go see something there, you want to take Ibrah, then you should not stay there. Rather you should just go and pass through. Meaning go through quickly. And the Prophet ﷺ even forbade the people from using the water of that place. And what did he say over here? That while you pass through, weep and cry. Why? Because you should be afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. Especially when you see the effects of that punishment with your own eyes. I mean, this is the place where the punishment of Allah descended. So don't just go there and stand there, pass through. And don't just stand there, weep, cry out of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fear. And reflect over what happened there. And that reflection should make you cry. And if a person does not reflect, he does not cry, then he is resembling who? The people who do not fear the warnings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this place serves as what? As a warning. That if you do not have the fear of Allah, you do not reform yourselves, then there is a punishment of Allah. So when he is not afraid of Allah's warning, he is heedless. Just like the people of this place were, then he is resembling them. And when he resembles them in nature, that he doesn't fear Allah's warnings, then he will resemble them in consequences. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said, لا يصيبكم ما أصابهم. Cry. Because otherwise what befell them can befall you. Because if you are not crying, that means you do not fear Allah's warnings. That means you resemble them in nature. When you resemble them in nature, you will resemble them in consequences. And this is the reason why the scholars have regarded it to be makruh. What? To perform salah in such a place. Because it's not allowed to just go and stay over there. Rather, one should pass. And how can a person perform salah in passing? You have to stay in one place in order to perform salah. And also because the Prophet ﷺ said, when you're going, cry. How can a person cry continuously throughout the salah? It is not possible. So when these two things are not possible in salah, 
then salah will not be performed in such a place. So it shows, first of all, that a person should not go to such places for the purpose of amusement. Rather, only to take a lesson, he should reflect. Even if you're going to a museum, reflect and cry. Weep. You know, take ibrah, take a lesson, instead of laughing at the kind of clothes that people used to wear. Or being, you know, really amazed and impressed by the kind of jewelry and the kind of vessels that they had. No, take a lesson and tears should come into your eyes. Take a lesson. There are so many places in this world where, you know, the punishment of Allah descended and we know from Quran and Sunnah that that was punishment, for sure. But yet, people go there, they take pictures over there and they are so proud of visiting that place, smiling as the pictures are being taken. This is not a place to smile and laugh. This is a place to cry and weep out of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why I said, even if you go to a museum and you see the ruins of the people of the past, then take a lesson. Bab al-salati fil bi'ah. Praying salah in a bi'ah. Bi'ah. Some scholars have said that they are the ma'abid of Yahud, meaning the worship places of Yahud. So what would that be? A synagogue. Some said it's the worship place of Christians. So they've translated it as church. And others say that it is the worship place of a rahib. So a monastery. So there is difference of opinion. So you can say that bi'ah refers to a place of worship of who? people of the book, where there's only one person who stays there and worships there, so it's like a monastery, or many people come and worship over there. So, bi'ah. Performing salah in a bi'ah. Kana'is, on the other hand, is specifically used for the worship places of Christians, a church. And masajid, worship places of Muslims. وَقَالَ عُمَرُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Umar anhu he said, Inna indeed we la nadukulukana isakum. We do not enter your worship places, your churches. Why? Min ajli because of attamathil, the statues. Allatifiha suwar, those which have pictures in them. Meaning we do not enter your churches because of these statues and these statues which have pictures on them, or these churches which have statues as well as pictures. So this is why we do not enter. We do not go in these places. That means we will not even pray there. What was the reason? The pictures and the statues. Now this happened when Umar went to Sham and a Christian man prepared some food for him and said that he was a rahib. So he had his own monastery. And he requested Umar to please come to him and honor him by eating the food that he had prepared for Umar Umar refused the invitation. On which basis? The basis that he would have to go. What was the evidence that he gave? The reason that he gave? The reasoning was that I will have to go and be in a place where there are pictures and statues. And he said, I do not go to such a place. Because if he were to go there, then he would be honoring that man, that place, those pictures. He would be honoring what? Shirk. So when he did not go there, then how can a person perform salah over there? You understand? How can a person perform salah over there? So this is the reason why performing salah in a church where there are pictures and statues, it is not permissible. وَكَانَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسٍ And Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه يصلي في البيعة He would perform salah in a church or a synagogue إِلَّا بِعَةً فِيهَا تَمَاثِيلٍ Except for the church which had statues in it. So if there were statues in it, then he would not pray. And if there were no statues, then he would pray. 
And in, in another narration of this athar, which is found elsewhere, we learn that فَإِن كَانَ فِيهَا تَمَاثِيلْ خَرَجَ فَصَلَّ فِي الْمَطْرِ That if there were statues over there, then he would go out and pray in the rain. Imagine, they were so strict about this, that they would not pray where there were statues. And who are these people? The companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Hmm? So the same is for us, that we should not pray in a place where there are pictures and statues, especially of beings that people worship. Why? Because they are symbols of shirk. Alright? They are symbols of shirk. And shirk is done. Then how can you perform salah over there? Because what is shirk? It's the most hated thing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the worst sin. Right? That the heavens would break asunder because of this shirk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so angry with it. He dislikes it so much. And there you are performing salah over there. It's like mockery. حدثنا محمد قال أخبرنا عبدة عن هشام بن عروة عن أبيه عن عائشة أن أم سلمة أم سلمة ذكرت لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم she mentioned to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم كنيسة a church رأتها which she saw بأرض الحبشة in the land of حبشة يقال لها ماريا which was called ماريا meaning the church was named after seems like مريم فَذَكَرَتْ لَهُ مَا رَأَتْ فِيهَا So she mentioned to him what she saw in it, من الصور of the images and the pictures. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, أُولَئِكَ قَوْمٌ Those are a people, إِذَا مَاتَ فِيهِمُ الْعَبْدُ الصَّالِحِ When a righteous man among them died, أو الرَّجُلُ الصَّالِحِ Or a righteous رجل A servant, a righteous servant, or a righteous man. When he died, بَنَوْ عَلَى قَبْرِهِ مَسْجِدًا They built on his grave a mosque. Painted in it, they made in it tilka suwad, these pictures. Ulaika, those are shirarul khalqi indallah, the worst of creatures near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who? Those who built masajid on the graves of righteous people and they filled it with shirk by painting pictures in it, by making pictures in it of those righteous men. And we see that similar ways have become very common amongst Muslims. The Prophet said, those are the worst of creation in the sight of Allah. So this hadith shows that when these places are built on graves for the purpose of shirk, then one should not perform salah over there. Right? Because these are made for what? Shirk. They are built to worship other than Allah. They are built for the performance of the act which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. So this is why it is not appropriate. It does not befit a Muslim that he performs salah in such a place. So the scholars, this is why they unanimously agree that it is not allowed to pray in a place in which there are images of who? Of animate beings. Whether they are worshipped or not. Whether that place is a place of worship or it is some other place. So it is not allowed to pray in such a place. In fact, some scholars are of the view that doing this is haram. But we see that the view of the majority is that it is makru. It is disliked. Because there are certain situations where a person doesn't have a choice. There are pictures, there are images. And he has no choice but to pray there. So should he not pray then? No, he will pray. His salah will be valid. However, he is incurring a sin. He is incurring a sin. His salah will be valid, but he is committing an action which is makruh. Ibn Taymiyyah said the correct view, which was narrated from Umar bin Khattab and others, and is mentioned in reports from Ahmad and others, is that if there are images in it, like a church, then he should not pray there. Why? 
because the angels do not enter the room in which there are images and because the prophet sallallahu did not enter the kaaba until the images that were in it had been erased this is what umar radhiyallahu said we would not enter their churches because there are images in them so what do we understand from this that it is makruh to pray in such a place is salah valid yes it is but it is makruh question why is it not allowed because when you're performing salah over there you don't mean to worship those pictures or those idols you don't even believe in them you dislike shirk you don't acknowledge it at all so why is it not allowed to pray like we learned earlier performing salah while facing fire okay when a person intends to worship allah he doesn't intend to worship that fire that fire is there because that's where the oven is that's where the food is being prepared and it seems like this is the best place for you to pray given the space that you have So when you have the intention of worshiping Allah, it is allowed. Why is it not okay in the case of pictures and images? Why? There are several reasons. First of all, because of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that tells us that the angels do not enter a room in which there is a dog or an image. A place that has a dog in it, a place that has images, statues, pictures in it, then who does not come? Angels do not come over there. Which angels? Kiram and Katibin? No, Kiram and Katibin, they stay with the person wherever he is, wherever he goes. Because they are to record all of his deeds, so they do not leave him at all. Which angels does this refer to? The angels of mercy. The angels that bring the mercy of Allah. The angels that bring the blessings of Allah. The angels that go around and pray for forgiveness. For believers so when such angels do not enter such a place they're not going to bring allah's mercy they're not going to pray for your forgiveness then how can you perform salah over there because which mercy will that salah bring them which forgiveness will that salah bring them you understand it defeats the purpose of salah in a way so this is the reason why because the worshipper is asking Allah to send down mercy increase in blessings then how can you do so in a place where the angels will not come this is why you should not pray in such a place another reason is to avoid any resemblance to those who do shirk whether it is the mushrikeen or it is christians or whoever because man tashabbaha qawman fa huwa minhum so to avoid any kind of resemblance another reason is to avoid that which may distract the worshipper because if you are surrounded by images even if they may be on children's books even if there may be big pictures on a diaper box and that's sitting right next to you and you're performing salah will you not be distracted of course you will be distracted if there are big images on a blanket hmm, on a child's bed sheet of course it's going to distract you how can you pray there and remember the hadith where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was performing salah very patterned curtain he had it removed another narration that he was wearing a patterned garment and he returned it because it distracted him in sala so anything that distracts you in the prayer you're not supposed to pray with it around it near it so pictures statues they will definitely distract you so this is why a person should not pray there even with regards to clothes which have pictures on them or which have excessive pattern on them what did we learn that a person should avoid such garments why because it will be a distraction so this is the reason why the hikmah you can say why a person should not pray in a place where there are images or there are 
statues, whether it is a hospital or a restaurant or a church or somebody's house, you should not pray over there. But remember that this is makru, which means that if you don't have any choice but to pray there, you have to pray. But you should seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness at the same time. Now, images, okay, which are animate, it's clear that you should not pray over there. But images of inanimate things, is that permissible? To perform salah in a place that contains images of inanimate things, like for example, a big painting of let's say mountains and clouds and flowers or trees, is it permissible? Yeah, it is permissible, so long as they do not become a distraction. The same rule applies to the rugs that you're praying on. Okay? Sheikh bin Rasaymin, he was asked about rugs on which there are images of mosques. Hmm? Have you seen such? Of course. Can we pray on them? He replied, what we think is that a rug should not be set out for the imam or a person who's going to pray on which there are images of mosques because it may distract him and he may look at them which will affect his prayer. The Messenger ﷺ, when he prayed in a cloak that had stripes, he looked at the stripes when he finished and said, take this cloak to Abu Jahm and bring me his plain garment for they distracted me just now when I was praying. But he said that if it so happens that the person will not be distracted by that because he is blind or because this is so common to him that he will not pay any attention to it, then there is no harm. And the fact is that the majority of us are used to performing prayers on such prayer mats. So there is no harm, inshallah. So to sum up, what do we learn? That there is nothing wrong with praying inside a church as long as there are no images or statues in it. Whether it is a fard prayer, jumu'ah prayer, any prayer, you can perform salah over there as long as there are no images or statues. If there are statues in a church or in any other place, whether those images are 2D or 3D, images or statues, of which, of animate beings, then a person should not perform salah over there, except in the case of necessity. You will not pray there except in the case of necessity. And the same rule applies to clothes as well, meaning if there are pictures on it, you will not pray them except in a case of necessity. One more question. Praying in front of a mirror, because it's like a video that's playing before you. An image of a person before you, is that permissible? Because it may happen to you that you go to a place and there is a mirror in the direction of the Qibla. And that seems like the only place where you can pray. Wherever you stand, you will see yourself. Can you pray? Sheikh Ibn Jibreen, he said, if a person prays with a mirror in front of him, his prayer is valid. Even if he is facing it and can see himself in it. But he has to lower his gaze and not look at it. Because in salah, where should you be looking? The place of sajda, not in front of you. Your head should be bent down. So you should be looking at the place of sajda anyway. You're not prostrating to that image. So there's no harm, but you have to look down. But if you feel that it is too distracting, then uh, you should avoid it. Okay? That if there is something like this, let's say in your room, and big mirror, it becomes a distraction for you, even if it's not right in front of you, but on the side, then cover it with something during salah, so that it's not a distraction. Likewise, these days there's pictures on everything, from cereal boxes to diaper boxes to everything. So what should you do? What should you do? You should cover them, put them away, get rid of them, whatever that you can do, 
Because remember, angels of mercy do not come to such places. And you don't want that you or your family is deprived of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy because of that magazine that's sitting in your living room. So any such thing, cover it. Put it away. Get rid of that box. Take that cereal bag out. Get rid of the box and keep the cereal. Get rid of the box and keep the diapers. Books, children's books or even other magazines or newspapers, you know, put them away in bookshelves or something so that they are covered. And many people, you know, the, the fact is that we have become so used to these pictures of animate beings that we don't mind them laying around like this. Make sure that you put them away. Pay attention to this because otherwise the angels will not come. If it's your kids' books, put them away. Toys, put them away. Cover them, put them away. They should not out there. Yeah, but you can't do anything. I mean, there's some things that you can't get rid of. So they should not be exposed. This is just like if a person is performing salah and there is some filth. What did we learn earlier? That there should be a barrier between him and that filth. Meaning he should not have direct contact with it. So just like that, there is an image. There should be a barrier. So cover it. Put it away. Where the angels will not come, shayateen will come and create a lot of facade. Same thing, souvenirs, whether they are made of crystal or what, when they have images, whether it is of a camel or a beaver or anything, it should not be displayed. Because many times you go to a prayer room, it's supposed to be for all faiths, people of all faiths can come and worship over there. And sometimes because these places are built by or bought by or financially supported by Christian faith, this is why you will find there, you know, statues or images or literature more in, in such places or just the fact that they're more active so in such a situation if you are in such a place you have to pray there what should you do first of all try your best that you're not facing an image or a statue or, or anything of the sort and if you can cover it but still try to avoid facing it and when you know that you don't have a choice then you will still pray there remember that your salah is valid inshallah حدثنا أبو اليماني قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري أخبرني عبيد الله بن عبد الله بن عتبة أن عائشة وعبد الله بن عباس قالا ديبوت سد لما نزل برسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was near death نزل بي what does it mean that it descended meaning his last moments came upon him His last moments came upon him, meaning he was near death. He was about to die. In that state, طَفِقَ He began يَطْرَحُ He was throwing, he was casting خَمِيصَةً لَهُ A blanket that he had عَلَى وَجْهِهِ On his face. Meaning he would take his blanket and put it on his face. فَإِذَا اغْتَمَّ بِهَا Then when he felt suffocated because of it, كَشَفَهَا عَنْ وَجْهِهِ He would remove it from his face. Like a person in extreme agony, in fever, this is what they do. They cover their face with a blanket and then they cannot take that anymore. They uncover the face. So in that state, فَقَالَ So he said, وَهُوَ كَذَلِكَ While he was like that, in that state he said, لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى May the curse of Allah be upon the Jews and the Christians. اتَّخَذُوا They took قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ The graves of their prophets, مَسَاجِدْ As places of worship. He was warning against what they did by saying that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's curse be on them. 
And this shows to us the importance that the Prophet ﷺ gave to Tawheed. The importance that he gave to Tawheed. Because he remembered this. It upset him. At what occasion? His death. Imagine at his deathbed. And he's praying against the people. Warning his ummah from doing such a thing. And he cursed them. Those who took the graves of their prophets as worship places. And in Surah Maida, Ayah 78, 79, They used to do munkar and they wouldn't stop people from it. So this is one of the big munkar that the Bani Israel did. And their scholars did not stop them. What was this big munkar? Building masajid on the graves of their prophets, on the graves of righteous men. So this led to shirk. So this is the reason why a person should not perform salah over there, because then he's supporting them in a way. Especially if there are idols and images in such places. حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك عن ابن شهاب عن سعيد بن المسيب عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال قاتل الله اليهود May Allah make war against the Yahud اتخذوا قبور أنبيائهم مساجد They took the graves of the prophets as places of worship. So when the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on such people, why should a person pray in their places of worship? And notice قَاتَلَ Earlier we learned Allah Over here قَاتَلَ قَاتَلَ is stronger than لَعْنَ Because if Allah wages war against someone Then what are they left with? They're nothing باب قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم جعلت لي الأرض مسجدا وطهورا The statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم The entire earth has been made A masjid Meaning a place of sajda A mosque وطهورا And a purification so this statement of the Prophet ﷺ, how general is this? How general is this? That does this mean you can pray anywhere, any place, even if it's najis, or even if there's shirk being done? Can you pray there based on this statement of the Prophet ﷺ, or does it have to be understood correctly? حدثنا محمد بن سنان قال حدثنا هشيم قال حدثنا سيار هو أبو الحكم قال حدثنا يزيد الفقير قال حدثنا جابر بن عبد الله قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أعطيت خمسا I was given five لم يعطهن أحد من الأنبياء قبلي None of the messengers before me was given this نصرت بالرعب مسيرة شهر I have been helped to victory by terror مسيرة شهر which is the length of a month, meaning the distance which would be covered in a month's time. This is, if an enemy was that far from him, still he would fear the Prophet ﷺ. So he was helped by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this. وَجُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا And the entire earth has been made a masjid and tahur for me. Masjid as in place of prayer and tahur as in a, a means of purification. وَأَيُّمَا رَجِلٍ مِّنْ أُمَّتِي And any man from my ummah أَذْرَكَتْهُ الصَّلَاةُ the time of salah has come upon him, فَلْيُصَلِّ Then he should perform salah over there, wherever he is. وَأُحِلَّتِ الْغَنَائِمْ And the war booty has been made permissible for me. وَكَانَ نَبِيُّ And a prophet would be يُبْعَثُ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ خَاصَ He would be sent to his people exclusively. وَبُعِثْتُ إِلَىٰ النَّاسِ كَافَ And I have been sent to all people entirely. وَأُعْطِيتُ الشَّفَاعَةَ And I have also been granted shafa'ah. This hadith was discussed in much detail earlier in the book of Tayammum. So if you want to revise it, you may refer to that. What is of relevance over here is that 
of the special qualities and virtues that the Prophet ﷺ was gifted with was what? The fact that the entire earth was made masjid and tahur for him. For him and his ummah. Masjid meaning that this ummah is allowed to perform salah anywhere. All places are suitable for salah. Tahur meaning it's a source of purification so we can perform tayammum in the absence of water. Now when it comes to the first part that the entire earth has been made a masjid. How do we understand this? We understand this as that the entire earth is suitable for prayer, which means every country, every city, every building, every ground, every level, every place is suitable for salah. Meaning a masjid can be constructed anywhere. And a person may perform salah anywhere. And obviously, there are exceptions that we have to consider based on other evidences that we learn from the sunnah. So earlier we learned about the fact that it's not correct to pray. Where? In a graveyard. Okay? Likewise, the punishment of Allah has descended. And likewise, a place which is najis. Okay? That is dirty. And likewise, a place that has shirk being done over there. So there are certain exceptions, but basically we see that any place which has some filth in it, whether that filth is tangible or intangible, that place has to be avoided. The ideal is that that filth should be removed because you have a greater right to pray over there. Okay, That filth should be removed because you have a greater right than the filth, whether that filth is an idol or it is najasa. But where that is not possible, then you will not pray over there, rather you will pray elsewhere. And if a person does not have the choice to pray elsewhere, he has to pray over there, can he pray? Yes. Will the salah be valid? Yes. Because in all of these cases, we see that salah is still valid. Remember that man, that companion who was praying in the direction of a grave. He did not realize. Umar anhu said to him, Qabr, Qabr. But he did not instruct him to repeat the prayer, which means that salah is still valid. So, even though there are places where performing salah is makruh, okay, what do we learn? That salah will still be jaiz. It will still be valid. So the statement of the Prophet ﷺ that the entire earth is a masjid, it is a general statement. But you have to realize that there are certain places in which it is better to pray, and there are certain places where a person should avoid salah. Like for example, out of all the places, which place is best for prayer? Masjid al-Haram, right? Because the reward there is multiplied. And likewise, a masjid performing salah is better. For a woman, if she's praying in the house, which part is best? The innermost part. Why? Because there are Less distractions. She's outside. A bird is flying. A cat is meowing. You know, she can hear all the noise. She's distracted by so many things. So, the entire earth is suitable for prayer, but we have to realize certain places are more appropriate. They're better to pray in. They should be chosen for salah. And other places should be avoided for various reasons. And a person should be aware of this. So that you can have more focus and you can deserve or you can welcome the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because where you are, the angels will come. They will pray for your forgiveness. They will bring the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to improve the quality of your salah, 
to improve the benefits of the salah, you should choose the place which is best. To get the most out of your prayer, choose the place that is best. Bab Naumil Marati Fil Masjid. Naumil Marah, sleeping. Of who? A woman. Fil Masjid in the Masjid. Meaning, is it allowed for a woman to sleep in a Masjid? If she goes to a Masjid to pray, she's very sleepy, she wants to take a short nap, can't she? Or is it not allowed? It is allowed. حدثنا عبيد بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا أبو أسامة عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة عائشة رضي الله عنها she narrated أن وليدة that once there was a وليدة وليدة from واو لام دال what does ولد mean? a newborn child so وليدة is who? a newborn baby girl but remember that the word applies to a slave woman whether she is young or old Regardless of her age. The word walida also applies to who? A slave woman. Just like the word ghulam. Ghulam literally means young boy. But it also applies to a slave, whether he is young or old. So there was a slave woman, كانت that, And she was a black woman. لحيين, and she belonged to a hay. Hay is a tribe. You can say a sub-tribe. A sub-tribe. A clan of a tribe. So she belonged to a hay min al-Arab of the Arabs. So she belonged to an Arabian tribe, meaning she was owned by them. So what happened? فَأَعْتَقُوهَا So they freed her. فَكَانَتْ مَعْهُمْ But she remained with them. Why? Because she probably had no family. She didn't know where to go. She was freed, but she still stayed with that tribe because she had no family. She had no people to go to. So what happened? فَكَانَتْ مَعْهُمْ قَالَتْ She said, فَخَرَجَتْ صَبِيَّةٌ So one day, a صَبِيَّةٌ A woman from صَبِي Okay? صَبِيَّةٌ is baby. صَبِيَّةٌ baby girl. So it's being used for a girl. So فَخَرَجَتْ صَبِيَّةٌ A girl once went, she came out, لَهُمْ For them, meaning she was from them. And عَلَيْهَا Upon her was a وِشَاحٌ أَحْمَر A red jeweled belt. مِن سُيُور Which was from leather. So a leather belt that was red in color and it was adorned, it was jeweled. Wishah is basically um, a belt that is full of ornaments and specifically pearls. Wishah is the one that is covered in pearls specifically. And the women used to wear it as part of their jewelry. Even now you will see this. And you will notice this, especially if you go to a jewelry shop somewhere in the Middle East, that you will notice gold belts. Have you ever seen them? I remember the first time I saw them, I was like, what is this? Imagine the zakat that you have to pay on this. But anyway, this is something that the Arab women used to wear from long ago. This is part of their tradition, that as part of zina, they would wear belts around their waist, made of leather, but it would be ornamented. It would be covered in ornaments. Okay, and we see that even today, not just Arabs, but many women, they wear belts. Why? As part of beauty. Sometimes you will see black leather belts, you know, covered in studs and shiny things. So anyway, she was wearing a belt like that. So what happened? قالت, she said, فَوَضَعَتُهُ So she removed it. minha, Or it fell from her. Either she removed that belt or she dropped that belt. فَمَرَّتْ بِهِ So it passed by that belt. What? حُدَيَّاتٌ A kite. Kite is a kind of a bird. 
And it's a kind of a bird which you are allowed to kill in the haram and the hill. Remember the few exceptions from amongst the animals which we are allowed to kill in the haram. One of them is a kite. It's a kind of a bird. So a kite flew by, وَهُوَ مُلْقًا And it was fallen, meaning that belt was just lying over there. فَحَسِبَتْهُ So that kite thought that that belt was lahman, a piece of flesh. Because imagine a red belt covered in white pearls. Looks like a red piece of meat covered with white grains of fat. Hmm? So فَخَطَفَتْهُ So she picked it up. قَالَتْ She said فَلْتَمَسُوهُ So the people, they began looking for that belt. فَلَمْ يَجِدُوهُ So they did not find it. قَالَتْ That woman said, that slave woman, she said, فَاتَّهَمُونِي So they blamed me, بِهِ with it, that I had stolen it. قَالَتْ She said, فَطَفِقُوا So they began looking for it, they searched for it, يُفَتِّشُونَ They began searching, حَتَّى So much so that فَتَّشُوا They even searched قُبُلَهَا Her front, meaning her private part. Because they accused her and they said that she was hiding it. So the thoroughly, you know, يُفَتِّشُونَ is to investigate, to search. They thoroughly examined her even so much that they checked her private part that maybe she was hiding it over there. قالت, she said, Wallahi, by Allah, inni marhum. I was standing with them. It marrat when it passed al-hudayyat, that same kite. And fa'alqathu, and that kite dropped it. Where? قالت, she said, بينهم, So it fell right in front of them. That kite dropped it right in front of them. قالت, she said, فَقُلْتُ So I said, هَذَا الَّذِي This is that which اتَّهَمْتُمُونِي بِهِ That you were blaming me with. زَعَمْتُمْ You thought. وَأَنَا مِنْهُ بَرِيئًا And I was innocent of it. You claimed that I was guilty of it, whereas in reality I was innocent. I never stole it. وَهُوَ ذَاهُ And it is right here. قالت, she said, فَجَاءَتْ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم. She was so sad, she was so upset that she left those people. And she came to the Prophet ﷺ and then فَأَسْلَمَتْ And she became Muslim. قالت عائشة, عائشة رضي الله عنها said, فَكَانَ لَهَا So that woman, she had خِبَاءٌ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ أو حِفْشٌ She had a khiba or a hifsh in the masjid. Khiba, hifsh used for a tent. She had a tent in the masjid. قالت she said, فَكَانَتْ And meaning that she used to stay in that tent. Because where would she go? When her people freed her, she didn't go anywhere because... She didn't have a family. So when she left them, she came to the Prophet ﷺ. Where would she go? Who would she live with? She didn't have a home. So she stayed in the masjid. And she lived in a tent. And this was built, or rather this was pitched over there in the masjid by the permission of the Prophet ﷺ or his approval or at his instruction. Meaning he approved of it. So she used to stay in the masjid in her tent. قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها said فكانت تأتيني so this woman used to come to me فتحدث عندي and then she would talk with me she would come to me and talk to me قالت عائشة رضي الله عنها said فلا تجلس عندي she would never sit with me مجلسا any sitting إلا قالت except that she would say meaning every time she came to me and talked to me she would always say وَيَوْمَ الْوِشَاحِ مِنْ أَعَاجِيبِ رَبِّنَا أَلَا إِنَّهُ مِنْ بَلْدَةِ الْكُفْرِ أَنْجَانِي She would say, وَيَوْمَ الْوِشَاحِ And the day of the leather belt. مِنْ أَعَاجِيبِ رَبِّنَا It is from the marvels, from the wonders of our Lord. أَلَا Indeed, إِنَّهُ مِنْ بَلْدَةِ الْكُفْرِ أَنْجَانِي It saved me from the land of kufr. That day, 
which that incident of the belt occurred, it's an amazing incident because it saved me from the land of kufr. قالت عائشة عائشة رضي الله عنها سد فقلت لها so I said to her ما شأنك what is your affair لا تقعدين معي you never sit with me مقعدا any sitting إلا قلت هذا you always say this what is this قالت she said فحدثتني بهذا الحديث then she told me the story of the day of the leather belt that what that story was so there are many amazing lessons over here that we see that This incident was really an amazing incident. That a woman who is freed by a people stays with them. There must have been something about them as well that she stayed with them. But she is hurt so badly because of them. Sometimes it happens that you love someone, you help them, you stay with them, but they hurt you. They do something that you least expected of them. They cheat you. They harm you. Imagine that they did not trust her, they accused her, they blamed her, and no one was going to defend her. So much so that they exposed her private parts even. This is the lack of trust, the lack of confidence that they had in her. Imagine how hurt she must have been, how sad she must have been. But at this point what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped her. The distress that she was in, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took her out of that. How? That in front of her, in front of those people, the kite came, dropped that belt, and proved her innocence. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought her out of that distress. And because of that, He brought her out of a greater distress. And what was that? Kufr. He took her out of kufr because of the incident that happened in that woman's life. If this hadn't happened, she would have stayed with them. She would have stayed with them. Allahu alam if she would embrace Islam later or not. But this difficult you know thing that happened in her life brought her to islam made her leave her people you know come to the prophet sallallahu and embrace islam so this shows that many times something harmful happens but in fact it is nafi'ah it is beneficial nafi'ah many times something harmful something that we do not like in fact is what beneficial to us Because this distress brought her out. And we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps all people. Whether they are Muslim or not. This woman was not a Muslim at that point. She was innocent and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped her. And this shows to us the mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows to all people, whether Muslim or not. So it would really be a person's fault if he deprives himself of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy in the hereafter. Imagine how merciful Allah is to His servants. That those who are unjust, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not help them. Right? He does not aid them. These people, that tribe, they were being unjust with this woman. But look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved her. Remember that every difficulty that you go through is only taking you to khair inshallah. That you might feel that you are suffering because of the people who are around. What crime did you ever commit? Right? You wonder sometimes. Or when you hear such stories, you wonder that why did this happen to such and such person. It's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking them out of that situation, that place. Because the thing is that as long as we love something, as long as we love someone, we are comfortable there. We'll never leave it. We are too attached. Right? Our heart is attached. So when we are hurt because of people, because of things, because of places, then what happens? Detachment. 
When that detachment happens, only then you can leave it and turn to Allah. Only then you can go to Allah. Because these things and these people around us, they enslave us. Even if they have apparently set us free, they have still enslaved us. That we do not have the confidence to leave them. We like them too much, we cannot leave them. But when we are hurt because of them, only then we can detach ourselves from them. There are many things we see that, first of all, Aisha Anha, she seems to be a very good listener. And someone who gave importance to others. That look, this woman, she comes and talks to Aisha Anha. And if we were in a position like this, what would we say? She comes and wastes my time every day. And she comes and repeats the same story every time. So what? Huh? I know what she's going to say. And then we start rolling our eyes and we start getting bored. Even before the other person has started talking. You know, sometimes all that people want is just to speak to someone. Even if they're going to repeat the same thing. There could be a person in your family. You know the kind of illness they're suffering from. But every time you go to them, they repeat the same thing again and again and again. You're like, I know. You know the very words they're going to say because you've heard them a hundred times. You've heard them every day of your life. But still, hear them. Listen to them. Give importance to the people of Allah. Because they have endured difficulty in the path of Allah. Look at this woman. She was allowed to stay in the masjid by the Prophet wasallam. Isn't that an honor? She had a tent that belonged to her in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. That is a huge honor. So no matter what we think of other people, still give importance to them. Not blame people for what we don't have evidence for. They blamed her just because she was poor, just because she didn't have anything of her own. She was a freed slave, so they blamed her. How can we blame people without evidence? We must not do that. And if somebody is saying, I do not have it, I did not take it, accept their word. You don't have to go, you know, into so much investigation and embarrass them and humiliate them. The hypocrites, so many times, the Prophet ﷺ, his attitude was what? Of accepting what they said. Dealing with them on their appearance. We haven't been told to cut open the hearts of people. Right? So accept what the other person is saying. Deal with them on their appearance. It will happen with you. You know, as soon as people will see you with a hijab on, if they learn that you are studying the Qur'an, then they will want to ask you for something, ask you for an answer, discuss their issue with them, their problems with them. They will speak to you for an hour, two hours, three hours. They will talk to you again and again. And you know their story. They just want somebody to listen to them. Someone who's like-minded, right? So that they know that what they're feeling, what they're going through, uh, is it okay? You know, the steps they're taking, are they okay? So, you know, make yourself available to people. It doesn't mean that you leave your work and all that you're doing is just listening to them. There has to be a balance. A time should be specified for everything. But we should acknowledge other people as well. You know, I've seen that my mother, so busy, so busy, so many things to do, so many people to meet, but still I've seen her listening to people, you know, the problems that they have to share. And we might think that, oh, I'm, I'm too busy, I have to do my lesson, I have to prepare this, I have to give, I have to conduct the groups, I have to do so much work, I have so much homework to do. You have to take time out for people. There is a time that you need to fix for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Him. There is a time that you need to fix for yourself. There is a time that you need to fix for your family. And there is a time that you need to fix for other people as well. There are so many people who live alone. 
and especially elderly people. You will find women who are living alone, men who are living alone, sometimes in houses by themselves. And what do they want? Someone to talk to. Just think about it. If you are alone, no family, no children, no husband, no sister, no brother, you need to talk to somebody. There is a lady who lives across from my house and she lives all by herself. All by herself. And she's working outside. She wakes up 8 o'clock in the morning. She's working in her yard. Cuts the grass herself. You know, takes care of the flowers. Everything she looks after herself. And she loves to talk to people. Children who are passing by, you know, people who are walking to school or to the grocery store, whatever. She loves to talk to people. So you cannot pass by her except having a conversation with her. As difficult as it is, but you have to give such attention to people in order to invite them to khair. So this is necessary. And especially, you know, women who have lost their husbands, whose husbands have passed away, they suffer from a lot of loneliness and sadness. So we should understand that. Because sometimes we think, oh, my grandmother or this old woman, she just wants to talk all the time. And I want peace of mind when I go home. And I want quiet when I go home. And every time I go sit, she starts talking and talking and talking and complaining and complaining. If you give importance to them, perhaps they will complain less. Sometimes they complain. Why? Why do children complain? To draw your attention. They want your attention. They want somebody to acknowledge them. Right? So if you start acknowledging them, perhaps they will complain less. Give importance to them, they will complain less. And everyone has their habits. Some women like to talk. Just be a listening ear to them. Just tell yourself, I'm going to go for 10 minutes, sit with this person just so that she can talk. Because imagine if you're silent all the time. How would it be? We think it's part of taqwa to be quiet all the time. But the Prophet ﷺ spoke as well. So anyway, from this hadith we see that Imam Bukhari, he derived the evidence that it is allowed for a woman to sleep in the masjid. How? Because this woman had a tent in the masjid. She lived in the masjid. If she lived there, that means she also slept there. That means she also slept there. And she was a woman and it's understood that all women menstruate. We don't know of her age. Allahu alam how old or young she was. All we know is that she was a slave woman. So from this, scholars have also derived that a menstruating woman may go in the masjid. She may go in the masjid. She's not like the junub. She may go in the masjid because a masjid is a place where many things happen. Salah as well as uh, halaqat. So if there is a halaqa, there is a class and a menstruating woman wishes to attend that, there is no harm. Obviously we see that this woman stayed in her Tent. She would keep away from the place where the people would perform salah. But she was still within the boundary of the masjid. Just like women are told to go to the place where each salah is to be performed, but she is to stay away from the rose, from the musalla. Bab rijali fil masjid. Now if the women are allowed to sleep, the question is, can men sleep in the masjid? Because the woman, she is sleeping in her tent. And even if she is sleeping in, in not a tent, but in the women's area, it's permissible for her. But men. Yes, it is also permissible for them. Now, why is this a question even? I mean, isn't it understood? Because the thing is that some scholars, they did not approve of this. Some Sahaba, in fact, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Mas'ud, they disliked that people should sleep in the masjid. Why? Because the masajid, what's the reason for their construction? Why are they built? For sleep? For the worship of Allah. What should be established over there? Salah. 
What should be done over there? Qiraatul Quran. And when people start sleeping over there, then what will happen? People will be sleeping more than they'll be reciting the Quran over there. People will be talking there more than they'll be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over there. So in order to discourage this, in order to discourage this, the dislike that people should be sleeping freely in the masjid, unless there was a reason, unless there was a genuine reason for a person to sleep over there. Okay, because imagine, a person is in the middle of the masjid, sleeping over there. First of all, it's not a good thing. A person in his sleep, he may be saying something, maybe lying down in an awkward position. And it's not appropriate that a person is like this in front of so many people. And also, if you go to a place where somebody is sleeping, then automatically you will be sleepy as well. You see someone sleeping, you say, let me lie down. Let me just lie down. And you'll also fall asleep. So we see that some of the Sahaba, they disliked it. They did not approve of it, that people should sleep freely in the masjid. And this is why we see that Masjid al-Nabawi, it is locked in the night time, so that people don't sleep over there. Okay, and many other masajid, same thing. During the night, they are closed. And people cannot say, oh, you're stopping people from the masajid, from the way of Allah. No, because masjid is for salah, and just like parks shut down, and libraries shut down, offices shut down, just like that, masjid is also closed in the night, because it is not a place to sleep in. That's not the main reason why it is constructed. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ قِلَابَةَ عَنْ أَنَسٍ قَدِمَ رَهْطٌ Anas he said that a rahat, a group of people, min uklin, of ukul tribe, they came ala Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and fakanu fi suffa, they stayed in the suffa. And when they stayed in the suffa, that means that they also, if they stayed in the suffa, suffa was where? In the masjid. So if they stayed in the suffa, these were visitors. Where did they sleep then? In the masjid. وَقَالَ عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنُ أَبِي بَكْرٍ كَانَ أَصْحَابُ الصُّفَّةِ الْفُقَرَاءِ He said that the people of the Sufa, they were fuqara. Now Sufa literally means allege. What does it mean? Allege. So allege that is giving shade. Now Masjid al-Nabawi did not have a roof. All of it did not have a roof. But a part of it had a ledge and under it was shade. So because of the shade that was constant, this is why there were some people who used to stay over there. They would sleep over there, they would stay over there. Why? Because there was shade over there. And they were known as Ashabu Sufa. And they were not just any people, rather they were the Masakeen, the Fuqara, from among the Muhajireen, who had left their homes, done Hijrah to Medina. Why? In order to be with the Prophet ﷺ, in order to learn from him, so that they could go back to their tribes, to their homes, and teach the people over there. And amongst them was also Abu Hurairah anhu, who stayed, who was of the Ashabu Sufa, and he dedicated every single day to what? Learning. Learning from the Prophet ﷺ. And he was so busy in that learning that Abu Hurairah he said that the Prophet ﷺ commanded me to do three things. And of those three things was to pray with it at night before going to sleep. And the scholars, they interpreted this as that because Abu Hurairah he was so busy in learning all the time that the Prophet ﷺ told him, pray your witr before you sleep. Because he could not pray tahajjud regularly. Why? Because he would be engaged in learning continuously. So from this is also the evidence that learning, busying oneself in learning, is better than performing nafl prayers. So anyway, this shows the extent to which Abu Hurairah kept himself busy with learning. And if someone was busy with 
learning so much, then where would they have the time to go and make money from somewhere? And we see that many of these companions, they dedicated their entire lives to this, their entire time to this. And after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, they did other things and they made so much money. It's amazing. It's not that they had no potential. They were losers. This is why they had no choice but to stay here. No, they chose this lifestyle in order to learn. They did have the potential to make a lot of money, but they chose this instead. Okay? So the Ashabu Sufa, the people who remained in the shade of the ledge of the masjid, meaning that is where they used to stay. Okay? Because Ashufa is basically the shaded part of the masjid. So, any visitors who came, they also stayed in the Sufa. So, Sufa was part of the masjid. Likewise, we learn about the prisoners. They were kept in the masjid as well. So that means that they would also sleep there. So it means that it is allowed for men to sleep in the masjid as long as there is a reason. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن عبيد الله قال حدثني نافع قال أخبرني عبد الله أنه كان that indeed he used to ينام he would sleep وهو شاب while he was young أعزب unmarried أعزب is someone who does not have a spouse so unmarried single man young لا أهل له who did not have a family of his own meaning no wife no children في مسجد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Umar, where would he stay sometimes? Where would he sleep? In the masjid. When was this? When he was a young man, unmarried, single, did not have a family of his own. Now why is all of this mentioned? Because when a man is young and is unmarried, there are more chances of him having ihtilam in his sleep. Okay, having a wet dream. But imagine, he used to sleep where you know, and the likelihood of having ihtilam in sleep is really high. But still, he slept in the masjid. So this shows that it is allowed for men to sleep in the masjid, even if they have ihtilam. Yes. So what's the solution then if they have ihtilam? Get up and leave, take a bath, and then return. حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا عبد العزيز بن أبي حازم عن أبي حازم عن سهل بن سعد قال جاء رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بيت فاطمة. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم came to the house of Fatima, his daughter. فَلَمْ يَجِدْ عَلِيًّا فِي الْبَيْتِ And he did not find Ali in the house. فَقَالَ So he said, أَيْنَ ابْنُ عَمِّكَ Where is the son of your uncle? Meaning, where is your cousin? Was he actually her cousin? Ali رضي الله عنه was the cousin of Fatima رضي الله عنها? No. He was the cousin of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. He was the son of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم's uncle. But the cousin of your father is like your cousin. Why? Because the uncle of your father is like your uncle. The uncle of your father is like your uncle. He's not your father. He's like your uncle. So his children will be like your cousins. This is why marriage to father's cousin is permissible. Okay, because they're like your cousins. Okay, no matter how, down. No matter how many generations. So the children of your father's uncle, whether they are children or grandchildren or whoever, they are what? Like your cousins as well. Because if they were like your uncles, then marriage to them was not permissible. Okay, so the Prophet ﷺ said, where is your cousin? He didn't say, where is your husband? You'll find out why. 
قالت she said كان بيني وبينه شيء something happened between me and him فغضبني so he became angry with me فخرج so he went فلم يقل عندي and he did not do قيلوله with me يقل meaning قيلوله he did not take his afternoon nap with me so the Prophet وسلم, he was very far-sighted. He understood the moment he entered that something must have happened. The expression on Fatima on his face probably. Okay, the fact that it's so unusual that Ali who was not there for his afternoon nap, which the Prophet وسلم, advised people to take. So how come he's not here? Where is he? Something must have happened. But notice he did not say, where is your husband? He said, where is your cousin? Why? Because when a woman is angry with her husband, she does not want to hear the word husband. So he mentions your cousin because there is relationship, right? Blood relation, another relation. So that should soften her heart towards him. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ said لِإِنسَانٍ into a person who was there أُنظُرْ أَيْنَ هُوَ Go look, where is he? Go find him. فَجَاءَ So he came فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ So he said, O Messenger of Allah, هو في المسجد He is in the masjid راقد sleeping. فَجَاءَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ came to him, وَهُوَ مُطَّجِعٌ While Ali رضي الله عنه was lying down, قَدْ سَقَطَ It had fallen, رِذَاؤُهُ His upper garment, عَنْ شِقِّهِ From his side. Meaning because he was lying down, his cloak had fallen from on top of him. وَأَصَابَهُ تُرَابٌ And because of that, there was mud on him. Hmm? Why? Because the floor was all mud. He was lying down on it. And while he was sleeping, let's say, you know, it fell from his shoulder or something, so there was mud on him. He must have turned or something, there was mud on him. فَجَعَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So the Prophet ﷺ, he began, يَمْسَحُهُ عَنْهُ He began removing it, wiping it off from him. What? The mud. يَمْسَحُ مَسْحْ Right? So he, was, he began dusting that mud off of him. وَيَقُولُ And he was saying, قُمْ أَبَا تُرَاب قُمْ أَبَا تُرَاب Wake up. Get up, O father of dust. Meaning, O oh, dusty one. Get up, O oh, dusty one. So there are many things over here. First of all, we see that Ali anhu was sleeping in the masjid. So it shows that it is permissible for men to sleep in the masjid. And remember that it has to be for a reason that a person is sleeping in the masjid. Meaning, not that a person goes to the masjid deliberately to sleep. I mean, masjid is not built for sleeping. It's not a rest house. It's a place of worship. So the main thing that should be done is worship. But if a person has a hajjah, has a need to sleep in the masjid. Like for example, Ibn Umar unmarried person, okay, unmarried man, young man, a dependent on his parents, doesn't have a family of his own, no house of his own, wishes to sleep, let's say, no place in the house, so he goes and sleeps in the masjid because there is shade over there. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yes, it is permissible because there is a need for him to go over there and sleep. Likewise, it happens unexpectedly, accidentally. Meaning a person does not intend to sleep, he falls asleep. And that is perfectly fine. So for example, a person goes to the masjid in the month of Ramadan, in the night to perform taraweeh. And they're staying over there until Qiyamul Layl. Reciting the Qur'an, they feel really tired and they fall asleep. Is that wrong? It's not wrong at all. Other than this, a person should remember that masjid is not built for sleeping. It's made for ibadah. Now there are many other things we see here that a fight happened between Ali anhu and his wife Fatima. Earlier we learned that the Prophet ﷺ had a disagreement with his wives. So this is something that is normal. Something that is normal. It doesn't mean that your relationship is going to end or that it's not a good sign. Because many women, they don't want any disputes to happen 
in a relationship. And if the husband is slightly upset or there is a slight disagreement, they think this is the end of it. This is not the end of it. This is part of it. Secondly, we see that when a disagreement happened between the husband and wife, the father came okay, and he tried to resolve it. He tried to resolve it. That sent a man to look for Ali radiallahu anhu, went to him, spoke to him so kindly. Ya Aba Turab, Ali radiallahu anhu, he used to love this kunya of his. He used to love this kunya of his. And he would be very happy if somebody called him Abu Turab. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ gave him this kunya. He loved to be addressed by this. So look at the way in which the Prophet ﷺ is showing affection to Ali radiallahu anhu. But we see that if a father finds out that his son-in-law was upset with his daughter, whose side will he take? The daughter's side. Likewise, if a mother finds out, she will take her daughter's side. If the husband's family finds out, they will take the son's side. So what is important is that we should focus on resolving the dispute, not taking sides. We should resolve the disputes, help them, you know, get together. And notice over here, the Prophet ﷺ does not ask what happened. Okay, because you don't have to know. Other people don't have to know what happened. If a dispute has happened, you don't have to know every detail. Because disputes can happen over little things even. Because it's a normal thing that happens. Your focus should be on resolving the dispute. On helping them forgive each other. On making them happy. Because once they're happy, they will get over it. Because when people are upset, they're angry, then they get into fights. right? So once they're not angry anymore, they'll be happy. Inshallah, things should go back to normal. And this is what happens. One day the husband's really upset. One day the wife is really upset. And the next day they're fine. They just need time to get over it. Correct? The husband and wife, they will have arguments. It's normal. And they will get over it. But the problem, many times it happens when other people, when they get involved and they become hasty and they pass judgments. Your husband left you. He didn't sleep here. He went out of the house. Where did he go? Must be another woman. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. The focus should be on resolving the dispute. Also one more thing, that when the man is upset, he leaves the house. Not that he kicks the wife out. Ali anhu was upset. He went out of the house and slept somewhere else. The Prophet ﷺ was upset. He is the one who left the house and stayed in the masjid for 29 days. For a month. He swore an oath that he wasn't going to go to any of his wives for an entire month. So he stayed away for an entire month. He didn't send his wives home. Rather, he left. Because what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Wahjurna. That wahjuruhunna fil mudajir. That leave them in beds. Meaning don't sleep with them. Also we see that a very important lesson for women. That if a man is not sleeping at home, then this is not normal. There's something that is not right. Either something is upsetting him, something is bothering him, because it is not normal for a man to stay away from his wife. Because many women, they're so naive, they don't understand. They don't think it's a, not a good thing that the husband is not sleeping with them. Many women, they live in such relationships for years and years. And all they know is that the husband, you know, he just likes to sleep on the other bed. And later on they find out that something much more serious had been happening. So, 
this is not a good thing at all. This is not a healthy sign. This is not a normal thing for a man to be far from his wife. One more thing that a father can go to his daughter's house without the permission of her husband. Okay, because the Prophet ﷺ went to his daughter's house and asked, where is Ali? So the father can visit his daughter's house freely. Likewise, the mother can visit her daughter's house freely. Obviously, I mean, they should be considerate of when they are going. Is it appropriate or not at the time that they're going at? They have to keep all these factors in mind, inshallah. We'll conclude over here and we'll study the next hadith in next class, inshallah. Okay, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi.